0: Hello friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hi friends, and welcome back to today's episode in which we start our final Chapter in the book of Mark. It seems like we're saying goodbye to an old friend as we get to to the last few verses of this incredible gospel. Thanks for being so faithful for these months as we have made our way through uh, the, the book of Mark. And we're in, as I said, chapter number 16. We've talked about the death and the burial of the Lord. That's two of the three components of the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And so, of course, today we're going to talk about the resurrection. And I want you to see Mark chapter 16 and verse number one, where the Bible says, and when the Sabbath was passed. So remember in chapter 15, the Sabbath was approaching. It was on that Friday, Jesus died and then was brought to the tomb and the put in the tomb while it was still that day. And then, of course, a Sabbath came, Jesus in the tomb. A Sabbath uh, left. It was 24 hours, and now we're into Sunday morning, right? After Saturday night, about sunset, now Sunday morning has begun. And the Bible says, so when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome. Now, we've already talked about these three, haven't we? Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, that would be James the Less. We talked about this a couple episodes ago. Mary, this other Mary, not to be confused with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and then Salome, who is the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. The same one uh, that had earlier argued or pleaded to the Lord, remember, Could it be possible for my sons to sit on your right hand, on your left hand? And Jesus said, it is not mine to grant that. But can they drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And remember, unwisely, they and she, oh, yes. And yet now that she had witnessed what Jesus had gone through, now that she saw the cup of God's wrath that Jesus had drunk, no doubt she realizes, wow, Uh, Only Jesus could have done that. But these three women, uh, when the Sabbath has passed, they're coming to that grave, Mary, Mary, and Salome. And they brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. So they wanted to be able to come into the burial place and put spices on, good sweet-smelling spices, on the body of the Lord. Now, obviously, that was a... Bold proposition because where is Jesus? He's in a tomb that has a big stone in front of it. And not only does it have a big stone in front of it, but that stone is being guarded by Roman soldiers who have been assigned that job by Pilate. Why? Because he knows that if the followers of Jesus steal that body, and claim that he has risen from the dead, that's going to cause a great uproar. And the last thing Pilate wants is a change in the status quo. So uh, they are guarding that tomb. Uh, They're trying to make sure that that body doesn't get messed with. So the fact that these women are coming with sweet spices to honor the body of the Lord is probably a pretty fruitless endeavor. Because how in the world are they ever going to get in? And yet they come anyway. They come anyway. Perhaps they didn't know about the guard. Perhaps they didn't know about the heavy stone. Perhaps they thought uh, the best. The fact is they wanted to come and honor the body of the Lord. And I think I made this point last episode, but I'll make it again. And that is, is it not interesting that these women knew that Jesus had died? They were there. They had watched it afar off. They had marched at the very spot, remember, last chapter where Joseph of Arimathea had had laid the Lord in in that tomb, and they were still being faithful to the memory. They were still honoring the dead body of. And I can't help but think that these women were showing more courage, more boldness, more dedication to a Savior whom they thought died, than many Christians today offer to a Savior whom they claim to be alive. Think about that. Look at verse number two. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week. So no wiggle room here. We know what day this is. This is Sunday. And it's in the early morning hours before the sun has even peaked its way above the horizon. So very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, right about the time the sun was about to peak up or just was peaking up. That's why I love to have a sunrise service on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Day Sunday. Don't you? If your church has a sunrise service, you ought to go. There's just something special and electric about being with a group of believers in the early dark hours of Easter morning, of Resurrection Day morning, and seeing the the sun peek its way uh, above the the horizon and to realize that up from the grave he arose. And just as the sun, S-U-N, rises daily, we ought to be reminded that the sun, S-O-N, capital S-O-N, rose on that uh, Easter morning. Look at verse number 3. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? Interesting to me that these women came in this early morning hour. They got a start in the dark hours as they made their way, their walk to that, to that gravesite in in the dark hours of the morning, not even knowing yet how they were going to get into the grave. They just said, you know what? We'll solve that problem when we get there, but we want to go and we'll find somebody. Maybe there'll be a gardener. Maybe we can find some passerby. maybe some men will help us, but we're going to go as far as we can go and we'll solve the rest of the problem when we get there. I love that spirit, don't you? I love the spirit of someone that says, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to go and worship the Lord and I can't figure it all out yet. I don't know how it's all going to work out yet, but I know I've got to make this step and I know I've got to get there first. And I just think there's just so much in the spirit of the initiative of these women. Look at verse four. And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away. So we, we know the parallel accounts, don't we? Matthew chapter 28, how the earthquake came and Jesus, the stone was rolled away and the, the guards fell as if they were dead and the angels were there and the angels sat upon that, that rolled away stone. I mean, this must have been an incredible experience for these women that they, they, they saw. And why did they get to experience it? Because they were the ones that showed up. They were the ones that, that were there to honor and commemorate the ministry of the body of the Lord Jesus. You know, you know who gets to see it? The one that shows up. And they showed up. And the Bible says in verse number four, and when they looked, they saw that this great, the, the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. So that problem solved. Who's going to roll the stone away? Well, look at this. The stone is rolled away. Verse number five And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. Well, I guess so. I mean, you don't typically expect when you walk into a grave to see somebody who's alive. You might expect to see a dead body. But when they went in, they saw a young man who was in a long white robe, and they got scared. So understand that in the Bible, when angels, when the angelic world appeared to the world of humanity, they were always indistinguishable from other human beings, from human beings. Angels look like human beings. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, that we ought to not be, we ought to be careful rather to entertain strangers or show hospitality to people that we don't know because thereby many have entertained angels unawares. So it may be that that you have encountered an angel in your life. Uh, it may be that I have and just was not aware of it. In the Bible, oftentimes angels that when they would appear to man would appear to as a human being. People would think until later on when they would realize, oh, that was an angel. Uh, the angel of the Lord, perhaps. Remember in the Old Testament, situations like Joshua or Manoah, uh, the father of Manoah's wife, the mother of Samson, and many other cases in the Bible. Uh, those angels that appeared to Abraham. Remember the three that came. Look at verse number 5. And entering into that sepulchre, they saw this young man, verse number six, and he saith unto them, be not affrighted. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Fear not. The Bible says, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. So think about this pithy declaration of the third aspect of the gospel message. I know why you're here. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. That's his human name. That's his human place of origin, Nazareth. That's where he grew up. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. He is not here. So that's statement number one. Well, there's any number of possibilities that that statement invites. He is not here. Well, does that mean that his body has been stolen? Does that, does that mean that we're in the wrong place? that somehow we got turned around. There's any number of possibilities that that one statement invites. He is not here. But the next statement tells us why he's not here. He is not here. He is risen. So in the ministry of Jesus, he raised several from the dead, three that we know of, uh, Jairus, uh, the daughter of the ruler of the synagogue in Capernaum, the widow's son at Nain, a small village there at the at the uh, foothills of Mount Tabor, and then of course Lazarus, which had just happened in Bethany about six weeks before this. So Jesus had raised some people from the dead, but that's not what the Bible says here. The Bible doesn't say someone rose him or raised him from the dead. The Bible says that he is risen. He is risen. So remember Jesus gave his life, gave up his life. No one took it. And Jesus rose again, right? Through the power of uh, the Godhead itself. And so he is not here. He is risen. In other words, he is alive again. What a statement. Then a statement of verification. So he's not here. He's risen as he said, as he said. So this should not be something incredulous to you uh, because Jesus told you he would rise again. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. I will raise it up. So the fact that he was going to rise again, he had been testifying of this way back as far as the testimony at Caesarea Philippi. I must suffer many things of the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. I will die in Jerusalem I will rise again. Jesus had told them over and over again, but they had missed it. And and what the angel said is, no, he's not here. He is risen. He told you. But not only did he tell you, but he, through the scriptures, remember Jesus is the living word of which the written word of God is a testimony that the Old Testament scriptures had predicted this. And so scripture is validated. He is not here. He is risen, as he said. And then, come, see the place where the Lord lay. Hey, see for yourselves. Now, you should have believed this by faith. You should have trusted his word, but now it's done. And your eyes can be the testimony, can testify, rather, to the veracity of, he is not here. Come, see, look, here's where he was, but he's not there anymore. I don't know that the Garden Tomb site is the site. Perhaps it is. I can tell you this: it's been a joy every time I've walked into that tomb, and I've looked at the place where perhaps the Lord lay. He's not there, and if it were another tomb, uh, another tomb in Jerusalem, guess what? He's not there either. Why? Because He told us He would rise again, and true to His word, heaven and earth shall pass away, but My word. My promises, my predictions shall not pass away. They will all come true. And this one certainly did. The greatest validator of Jesus' ministry, the greatest sign of proof was the fact that Jesus rose again. God declared him to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. We're going to stop right there in verse number 6. Uh, We're going to see what their reaction was, what it was suggested to be. And I think there's some good teaching for us there as well. So we'll come back to verse number seven next episode. Until then, God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.